Good morning. It's great to see you guys. Um, I love this idea of passing the peace. I'll stop yelling at you so the mic stops ringing back. Uh, this, is, this is so cool. It's great to be able to actually kind of see you and um, get to speak to you in this way. As Ashley shared, um, I'm, I'm actually at the Bethany Northeast location, COIFM pastor there. Um, but it's cool to be able to be with you guys this morning. Um, Prentice is a great friend. Uh, he's a great pastor, you guys. Uh, I'm, he didn't tell me to say this, so I haven't been paid to say this. He didn't script this, but he's a great, great, great guy, great passion for ministry, and I'm ex- excited to be able to stand uh, in the same space as he. Ashley, we've been able to meet a little bit through VBS and is one of the funniest pastors and most creative people you'll ever meet, so you guys are blessed to have her uh, in your family ministry. And Taylor, um, who is behind the scenes today, um, I've got to meet two on staff, and she leads us in a ton of work. Um, MRJR specifically in the Ministry of Race, Justice, and Reconciliation. Um, and it's a great work. It's a lot of work. Taylor's crazy busy, but she's a great leader in that. And by the way, is a worship director as well. So you guys got a great team here, and I'm excited to be with you this morning. In particular, this morning, um, I'm going to be speaking from Romans chapter 15, verses 13. By the way, I missed this. Please forgive me, wife and children. I am married. My wife's name is Sigrid. I've got two kids. They're three and they're one. So I want to make sure I, they're not here, but I want to acknowledge them. If they were here, they'd be running and jumping on pews and running up to me saying, Daddy. So you guys, the kids that are here, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Can you guys give it up for the kids? Great job, parents, too. Come on, give it up for the parents. Awesome. All right, so the scripture, the passage we're going to be speaking from and kind of digging into is Romans. It's chapter 15, verse 13. It's on the screen here, and I'll read it to you. It says this, May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a really good portion of scripture. Clearly, I did not write it, but I love that it has so much in it for us, and in particular, for us today as we're digging into the fruits of the Spirit. There's, there's two fruits of the Spirit listed in here, joy and peace, and you'll see that it's partnered when you allow God to fill you with those. You'll see that it actually leads you and propels you into hope, right? But without, without joy and peace, hope is hard to come by. And I think many of us have experienced this season of this last year, and even maybe before that, where we've, we've been feeling, I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll speak on my myself with my kids and us doing what we're doing, my wife being a teacher and fill in the blank, all of that, that everyone is juggling, I've had to really, really make sure that my hope is still intact and that my hope isn't seized by the enemy. And you'll have to understand this and realize that that is in jeopardy when your joy and peace is nowhere to be found. So as you look through Romans, I have to ask myself a one or two, who is writing this book of Romans. You guys might know this if you're biblical scholars, you've been in the Christian faith for a while, but Paul is someone who is writing this book. It's a sixth book in the New Testament. Before this book, you, you've read about the book of Acts, right? We, we studied, but you've heard about the, the Pentecost that happened when the Holy Spirit came and he poured out on all, all that waited for him. And so Paul is here and is, he's, he's on a mission, he's on a journey, and this is a letter that's written specifically to the Christians in Rome. These people are, are people of faith that have just kind of getting into what they're doing. Like they're just trying to live life. They're trying to make things worth. And so Paul is like, hey, I'm going to teach you guys how to be believers and live a life of faith and also live a life of obedience and holiness. 
That is, that is the prefix of Romans. That's what he's writing. That's what he's talking about. He's trying to teach them how to be faith-believing, obedient, holy Christians. You might look at that and go, man, that's super legalistic. Who wants to be told to be obedient? My kids don't. Like, I, no one likes to be told, you have to do this. He, it's coming and it's leading somewhere, though. And as you lead up to it, you understand that he's trying, to under, he's trying to get these Christians to understand that you have to live in a way that chases after hope, that understands hope, that lives for hope. Joy and peace are essential in that. So part of Paul's mandate or calling is to establish a mature culture of Christians, Christians that belong uh, in the Roman context and preach the gospel to them. So I understand I learned this, that obedience and holiness are tied to these fruits of the Spirit. You might go like, so I have to be obedient? I have to be holy in order to have joy and peace? No, that's, that's not it. But to understand the full picture of living a life that's completely drenched with joy and patience and peace, we have to understand that God is asking us to live obedient and holy as well. We have to acknowledge this as well. As I look through the scripture, can you throw it back up for me, please? As I look through the scripture, there's a, there's a part B of this that we're going to dig into, and it says this. We understand that it says, may the God of hope fill you. But it says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of who? The, the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm glad that I didn't say another word because I would have filled it. The Holy Spirit overflow with hope. So this morning, I want to speak towards something that actually isn't necessarily about cherry picking, no pun intended or maybe intended, fruit of the Spirit perhaps, but also living in a space of overflow so that your life is actually out of abundance producing fruit. I, 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 I don't know about you, but I, I really dislike being hungry. Like, I, I hate starving, I eat, I eat, I love food. Clear, clearly, I love food. It's okay to laugh at that. And, and, I, and I enjoy it a lot. But one thing that I don't enjoy is, being, is starving, being hungry. Why? Because then I just go and eat anything, right? There's a nice little store right there. It looks like a little broken down. They might have a sandwich in there. I'll go try that. The deli meat's probably exp- I'll just, whatever it takes to feel this hunger, a lot of times it leads to junk food. A lot of times it leads to food that's not healthy, if I wait and I don't allow myself to fully be nourished in a space that's good and healthy, that's whole, I will go and devour junk food. Are you catching this? The fruits of the Spirit come from a space of overflow where you're in communion with God. And you're in right standing with God. That's where the holiness comes in. It's not a space of living perfect, not a space of doing everything right. It's a space of living and overflow and righteousness with God, right standing with God. So here's the question that I want to pose as we continue to dig into the scripture. By the way, I, I will sweat a million gallons. Don't even worry about it. I'm doing fine. I'm not going to pass out a Baptist background and bring up. So don't even, if you see the sweat, just keep, just look right past it. So as we meditate on scripture a little bit, I want to dig into this question here. How do I live from a space of overflow in such a way that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in and through me? It may take time. It may be a a space that 
It grows over time. But how do I do that so that he is the author of that work inside of me? The beginning of that scripture, you'll see that God is actually the author of... Can you put that back up, please? I'm so sorry. I'm going to keep asking you this all day. You're going to be like, why do you keep telling me? God is the author of the hope. Now, if I'm looking and I'm, and I'm wanting something that's full of, if I'm wanting this, this word, this thing called hope, and I, and I understand that it's attached to joy and peace, if I want that, I have to understand where does it come from, right? I can't chase after something when I know, when I have no idea where it comes from. When you catch up with it, you may not understand what you've encountered. So this is important. Paul is writing, he's saying, hey, it's not me, right? I'm not giving you this. This isn't something I'm producing. He's saying, may the God of hope fill you. He's the author. He's writing and making it clear. Clearly, Jesus comes before Paul's journey. And Jesus was the one that actually, he, he led the way into this type of writing, into this thinking, because he made it clear that these are essential for living. You'll hear things of Jesus referred to as the Prince of Peace. We hear these words, joy and peace, and a lot of times I hear them around Christmas. Who loves Christmas in here? I love Christmas and hope. But around kind of the summer, and as you kind of edge out of into the spring, you kind of these words kind of lose their steam, and things change. They get a little different. But it's important to note that Jesus was already about this before Paul came in the scene onto the scene. That's why Paul is going. Listen, I've had an encounter with God. I need you to understand something. This is super important. As you're considering the fruits of joy and peace, and as I'm speaking more to them, you might think in certain terms, because as I was writing, I'll be honest, I thought like this, and I went, man. And I'll acknowledge this too. This is super important. I don't want to talk past anything. And that's that this previous year, as you you kind of heard me allude to, like hasn't been the most joyful year. I mean, it'd be hard to say that, even on the best day, Right? There's, there's a sense of, man, this, this hasn't been the most joyful season. I haven't found necessarily my, my most peaceful space in this season. I think it's okay to say that. I think it's okay to acknowledge that. I think it's okay to, to note that. Clearly, we don't live from that space, but it's important to note that. And as I think about that, I begin to ask myself, like, where exactly, what gives me joy and what gives me hope and what, what gives me peace? And as I begin to do that and kind of look at those different things, I went, okay, this is good. This is great. This is terrible. Like, this is great. Oh, I love this. Man, this is going to give me a ton of peace, a ton of joy. And I begin to compartmentalize different things and different experiences and different places, right? Traveling, man, lots of joy. Even hiking, Lots of peace, man. Eating, lots of joy. I'm talking about food a lot, right? Those are different things. And I begin to say, hold on now. Those are the what's, and that's super important. But I begin to hear God say, actually, ask the question, who? Right? Who gives you joy? Who gives you peace? The what is going to fill in itself. we got to be honest. The center of this is Jesus. When you live from a space of overflow and you go, you know what? I want God to be that center of my life. I want him to be the space 
that fills me up so that I can pour out, that I can grow in my space. If I get caught on the what, I will completely miss the who. God fills you up with joy and peace. Not the electronics, not the trips, not the giveaways, not those things. Those things are great. And we need those things as well. We want those things as well. But I cannot forget that it's God who fills us with the joy and peace. He is the author. So how do I position myself to receive the joy and peace that God has for me? I live from overflow. Clearly, it's, it's written in this scripture that as God fills you with joy and peace, you'll see that hope is the byproduct of that. The enemy, by the way, who I remind myself in this scripture, in this passage, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he is still in the business of coming after our joy and peace. And I want to tell you something. If he can succeed in dissipating your hope, you can trace that back and you can go, my joy and peace at some point were tampered with, right? I, I don't have hope, but also I feel like my joy and peace, I, I, I can't pinpoint it, but I know something is not the way it should be. This actually reminds me um, of a time, and before I bring that up, I, I, I likened it to this. When I feel as if I don't have joy and peace and I feel like hope is nowhere to be found, it's as if someone is working overtime to make my life miserable. Have you ever experienced someone who just like, they dedicated and devoted their lives to making yours miserable? Like even to the point of like, they stopped caring about their own life. Like it just, everything that they did, it felt like they were going after you. That could be a work experience. That could be a family member, fill in the blank. You could be at the supermarket, whatever. Someone is out to get you. I have felt that before. This is in a different type of way. A while ago, about 10 or 11 years ago, I was on an internship. And um, I don't know if anyone's ever been, has anyone ever been on an internship before? I was on a church internship where they, they paid me like $10,000 a month. It was, I'm kidding, right? <laughs> we worked, <laughs> worked 80 hours a week and they paid me a great salary. It was fantastic, right? Um, I was an intern at a church. We worked lots of hours, did a lot of things. And a lot of times you do this with, with friends that you, that you grew up with, that you may have gone to youth group with, that you may have done different parts of life with. And in this particular internship, I was learning and studying kids' ministry, youth ministry, and ministry as a whole. And, and for 40 hours a week, it was, it, was a, it was a blast, right? So for about 30 of those hours... We were engaged. The other 10 <laughs> happened to be uh, in, in a season of life that were surrounded by what you would call like office pranks. And I remember one group of friends in particular, they would do things like hanging mannequins from doors when you walked in, they just kind of like fall on your face and swing. They'd take a leg off a chair so when you sat down it fell. I mean, just like the littlest pranks that were kind of silly, but like, you know, brought some joy into the office. And we were kids, still him. <laughs> there was one time where it just went overboard. And I just went, Man, you, you guys, you do your thing. I'm going to stand over here. Now I'm spectating. How many of you ever done that before? Like, I'm just going to watch you kind of go overboard. And I'm just going to stand back and kind of watch it happen. So as I'm standing back and looking, they, they had this idea. And this is where it seemed like it went overboard. I mean, 
just had too much time in life. They decided to stay up one night, break into the office of our internship pastor. I, this has been years over. I can tell this story. And we're all great friends now. So <laughs> they come and they break into the, the office of our internship pastor. And they put little Dixie cups all around his office. They fill it with water. And they, they literally lay it all over his floor so that he's not able to get in the office or move around or do anything. It's Sunday morning. And Sunday morning for pastors, that's, that's pretty much game time. That's crunch time. So they do it Saturday night. He walks in Sunday morning. And it was funny until he said, don't ever do that again. Clean all this up. And they had to spend the entire morning cleaning all that up and figure out how to get all that water out and all those things. I mean, they had nothing. It's, it's like they were living to just prank anybody they could until they took it overboard. Now, clearly Satan's not out. The enemy's not out to prank us, right? He means harm. So that's not intended to say we're taking this as a joke, right? This is serious. But in some ways it feels like there's this intentionality that may be pointed maybe directly at you. And I think that happens when you begin to lose sight and focus of who's at the center, which is God, which is providing your hope, which, by the way, you should live in overflow so that those, that joy and that peace flows out of you. If you live a life that is void of joy and peace, you might begin to wonder, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? What's the meaning of what I'm doing? Does my job even matter? Does anyone even know that I'm here? Will anybody know if I'm not? These are the things that the enemy uses to creep in the minds of not just believers, but non-believers. And if we could get, <laughs> if we can understand this, this, this living from a space of overflow, it's not that we're searching after happiness or good moments, it's that, man, we're just looking. God is looking to fill us with joy and peace as a way to introduce us into a life that's overflowing with hope. Where is my joy? Who am I when I lack joy? Has anyone ever been around someone who lacks joy? Right. Has anyone ever been that person who lacks joy? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I can tell you I've been around both. And it's obvious and it's clear to see. And I can tell you this, as someone who experiences someone's lack of joy, my first thing would, would be to go, wow, what happened to you? Like, you need to go home and get that figured out and then come back out into the world so we can receive you better. Sometimes, that's what I, I'm just being honest. That's what, sometimes what I say, right? We don't all do that. Other times I go, man, what can I say to lift you up? What, what, what's happened to steal your joy? And you'll often see that it's somewhere tied to peace, right? They've lost some kind of balance in life. And then you'll often hear that there is no hope in sight for X, Y, Z. I can no longer see. I, I have lost my vision. I don't know how this is going to get better. I can't figure this out. I'm speaking figuratively. I'm not pointing at obviously anyone because I don't know anyone in this space. But maybe if you can think about it for a second and go, man, have I lost hope in some ways? Is God pointing me back to joy and peace? Have I, do, I, do I need to live in a space where that is present? 
I think joy can sometimes be mistaken as this exuberant kind of excitement in some ways too, right? Man, he's full of joy. Look at him. He's jumping around. He's excited, which isn't always the case. You can have a deep joy without actually expressing it. I I love talking to people, believers or not, anyone, that you can just tell they're full of something, right? You can just sense their hope is in something. It's rooted in something. And I go, man, that's, that's someone that I want to follow. That's, that's a life that I want to get behind and follow. Where is my peace? My lacking peace? There's a, a story in the Bible, and this is, he's one of the characters in the Bible, one of the people in the Bible that I, I, I think we've, we may have all heard of. I'm, I'm going to say we may have, we've all heard of him. We may not have, but his name is Joseph. And this is a story that's been told many, many times and as I look and I like, I kind of like scan through the Bible and I go, man, like where, where in God's word can I find a situation? Can I find someone who has embodied joy and peace and has kept hope as perspective, right? They've lived through this experience, but yet their joy and peace are intact. And so now they're living out of an abundance and overflow of hope. Can I figure, can I find someone? I found Joseph if you're not familiar with this story, I'm not going to tell the entire thing. There's not time. But Joseph was someone who by no fault of his own was sold into slavery. He was the youngest of his brothers, the 12 brothers. And he was sold into slavery at a very young age. They intended for him to die, right? They tried to, this is, this is pretty much the workaround. Okay, we're not going to kill you, but we're going to put the blood on someone else's hands. You may die in slavery, right? We're just going to put you off there. And what they meant for evil, obviously God meant for good because he went into that space of being in bondage, being in slavery, and he learned God's favor was on him. He said, you might have me physically in bondage, but you're not going to steal my joy and my peace. Did he say things in that space that cried out to God? Yes, because he was not lying to himself about where he was, right? His joy and his peace were in jeopardy, but he never lost hope. You'll see at the end of his story, he got elevated to be second in command after being sold into slavery, moving up the chain here, and now there's a famine in the land, and his brothers, his family, has to, they have to come to him. He's at the space where he's giving food, he's giving nutrition, he's giving them things that they need as a people, and he sees that it's his brothers. He knows their faces, and he has an option. He has, a, he has an opportunity. He can either he can either say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you guys away. I'm going to lock you up for what you've done. Or he can choose peace. This is powerful. I've got to tell you this because he's a bigger man than I, <laughs> I think I could have been in that moment. His response was first to test them, which was tricky. After the test, though, he said, wait a minute. I am your brother. I forgive you. His brothers asked for forgiveness. He forgave them. And there's peace there. Through that experience, he still had his peace. And then hope is told in that story. He's living this thing out. And I think a lot of us, many of us, I'll speak to myself, might be or might have come from a season where our joy and our peace have been tampered with. And we have to make a decision. Are we going to live from a space of hurt? Are we going to live from a space of holding on to something? Are we going to live from a space of not moving forward? 
Or are we going to stay here deficient of what we need? Are we going to stay here malnourished of what we need? Or are we going to move into a space where we're going, you know what, I'm going to choose joy, I'm going to choose peace, understanding that that, if I let God fill me with that and I move out of that, I'm going to live in a space of hope, ultimately. Joseph, he should have had a life that was full of suffering. He should have lived a life that honestly led in a different direction of death. He shouldn't have been able to get out of that at all, but yet he did because his perspective was set. Chris, I want to invite you up to help me for a second. Um, I told you guys this. Ashley told you. um, I am a kids um, and youth pastor as well as family pastor, all those titles. And so I live off of uh, visuals, okay? So I want to show you guys something really quick here. And this is going to help kind of drive this when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm speaking towards living from a space of overflow. I'm speaking in a sense that we're used to, let me, just, let me back up a little bit. I, I think as a living in America and being a Christian in America, I'm really familiar with going and getting what I need for me and my family. Like that's really easy. Go, go and do what you need for you. Be the best you. It's so individual. I'm very, very familiar with it. I think we're all familiar with it. And I'm not knocking the entire thing. Yes, go be the best you you can be. Absolutely. And so what I've, what I've done as a visual here, these, these little jars represent the more individualistic type of things that I think we might cater to. We might go, this is perhaps our marriage or our relationship with our partner, significant other. This might be our job, right? This might be, who knows, fill in the blank for you. These represent different spaces of life. And each time through life, you might, you might understand that you might need different types of fruits of the Spirit for these spaces of life. So let's say you're going, you know what? Uh, I need a little bit of joy in my, my job, right? My job is a little, yeah, who knows what's going to happen there, right? Let's say maybe your marriage, I can use a little bit more peace in my marriage. Who can use a little more peace in our marriage, right? Maybe you're like, ah, you know what? I might need a little bit more maybe self-control in different situations. Maybe while I'm driving on the road and there's traffic and a building project or a bridge is being built everywhere in Seattle, apparently in Tacoma, good Lord. Um, Maybe you need a little bit of gentleness, right? These are the different spaces and parts of life that I think we, I would say, I ask God, I just need a little bit of this, right? Man, my, my, my partner needs a little bit of joy. Like, man, you should see them when they wake up. Like, he's just, right? Like, who? there's different parts I think we would say, I need a little bit of this. This right here, I should have explained this, represents the Holy Spirit, right? Living water, uh-huh, like that. And it's the living water that never runs dry. This I would say represents us, you and I. And if I put this in the center here, when I talk towards living an overflow of hope, which by the way, hope points to the point where Paul was making of hope is life eternal. Paul encountered a bright light we often call Jesus, symbolizing Jesus, and then that changed his life forever. He then went, I'm no longer going to be persecuting Christians. I'm going to live a life 
that is actually encouraging them and is actually building them up. I understand how they work, how they tick. Now I'm going to go be on the other side. Life, Paul took some time in life and he went to go study some things and he went to go kind of get his mind and perspective in check because he just had been encountered by God. No longer did he choose to compartmentalize scripture. No longer did he choose just to become a stagnant someone who was rigid in a certain faith. He said, I'm going to live differently and I'm going to show these people how to do it. And so what I believe is important in this verse is to live in a space of overflow looks like this. It's Jesus, I want you. I want your Holy Spirit. I want all of you. Your joy, your peace, your gentleness, your kindness, all of it, every piece of it. And you'll understand that as this feels over and as it overflows, these different aspects of life, these different spaces, they just get filled by being in contact with the overflow that God is bringing forth out of you and from you. Right? Like if we live in a space where we ask God just to fill us, not because we need something, not because, oh my goodness, this person over here, God, give me patience. If our lives are centered on the God who fills us continuously, we can go to him when we need it, because we all need joy and peace. But we can understand that it comes from a space of living centered and out of overflow of who God is. If I only go to God for my specific problems, I'm treating him like a genie, right? Quarter here, okay, got my peace, let me have this conversation, great. God, I'll come back, I need peace in like two or three years and that relationship blows up, right? Got my joy, okay, great, thanks for that joy. I'm gonna go ahead and spread that here. I'm gonna go home and then yell at my significant other. I guess I need more joy, let me go back, right? What if I just lived in a space of overflow so that I didn't have to treat my relationship with God like he was some psychiatrist or like he was some genie that I go to part-time? And I think going to a psychiatrist, I think it's fantastic. God is more than that. He's more, man, he's so much more. He feels you in all types of spaces, and what I love about this visual, and I'm not going to spill any water on this floor. I promised Taylor that I would not do that. And I got very close, and I did not measure this. So the God of hope is with us this morning. <laughs> Amen. But I can't, I can't help but get excited about this. I, I refuse to live in a space and live a life that is void of living from a space overflow. That's void of joy and peace. I refuse to do it. And I wonder how many of you are sitting and listening and even online this morning, I wonder how many of you are tired of just going, man, something is missing. Something is not there. I don't, I don't have hope. I'm losing it. I don't, I don't feel it. I can't find it. I don't know what happened. Something along the way, might, but, but you might go back and go, man, I... I haven't had peace in a while either. These things are tied together. And as a life of a believer, we have to understand God fills us so that we can overflow with hope. That hope is eternal life. I love a new car. I love new houses. I love new jobs. That hope is not to live a better life as a Christian American. I got to say that. I'm sorry. I love new things. I love when they're shiny. But my hope is not in my new materialistic item. My hope is in that God is the God of hope. My hope is in that he's our savior. My hope is that he's going to come and he's going to save, or that we're going to live eternally with him. 
That is my hope. That is my prayer. That is my joy. And if we can understand that, I believe as, as Christians, we'll stop carrying around baskets of rotten fruit because we'll understand that our fruit should overflow. If I'm hoarding what I have and go, I'm, I'm not going to share this. This is my joy. No one else. This is my joy. You cannot take, you cannot touch my joy. You're not welcomed in this space. Our, our joy was meant to overflow, right? Our peace was meant to overflow so that when you walk in a space and I walk up to you, Chris, I sense your joy. I may not see it, but I can sense it. I may not feel it, but there's something about you that's different. I can feel your peace. You may not say anything right away, but I can still have a sense that you're living in a space of joy and peace. And that's what I need. That's what we need. When you have tough conversations and you're void of fruits of the Spirit that God has made you to live with and pour and live in overflow and pour out of, it's felt when it's there and it's felt when it's not. So I want to be a believer that lives out of a space of overflow so that those around me benefit as well. I want to invite our worship team back up and we're going to have a time of communion together. And so if you haven't had an opportunity yet online, go ahead and grab your, your elements. If you're sitting here and you haven't had a chance, go ahead and do that um, as well. Um, this is a, a time... First off, this is, I'm, I'm excited. Whenever we get to do communion together, how many of you guys love doing communion together? This is just, it's wonderful. I think over the past year or so, we've been able to um, kind of feel, in some ways, excited about some of those little things that we do. And I say little, but some of those things we, we, we got to do before that we, we don't get to do, we didn't get to do over that time, and it just feels different. And so this feels different. I'm excited to do it with you. And as you guys come up and as you sing a song, I want to, can I bring this scripture back up one last time here? It says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I am so excited that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by my will, not by anything that I can do, not by the niceness of my neighbor, not by anything, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's that my hope overflows. If it's not by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can blame anybody else sitting on my left or my right, or that's not present, right? That's done something to me in my life that's harmed me or a situation or a past experience. I can blame that, but if it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is not embodied, who's not a person, but he's moving, he's ever, he's omnipotent, then I can go, I have a second breath of life. I can do this because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power by which and in we live. If I were preaching this message and I just said, hey, go live a better life, be more happy, I would be bored of that. <laughs> I don't want to be happy. I don't want to just be another person that smiles and opens a door. I want to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to live in overflow so that it just bubbles, it flows out of me. And that so that it provides and gives transformational change around me. Not temporary, transformational, everlasting change. That's the hope that we get to be excited about. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we get to be excited and joyful about this. And so...
I want to encourage you right now to take your element. I'm going to read um, a scripture to you as well. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29 says this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. At the time he took the bread, it says that he broke it. This symbolizes his body. He said, take it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he ate it. I want you guys to go ahead and take your bread. Likewise, scripture says this. He took the cup, he gave to his disciples saying, he said, gave thanks and offered to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my body of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, for many for the forgiveness of sins. Some versions might say the remission of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of this vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. By saying that phrase alone, until I'm with you in my Father's kingdom, he's promising, he's promising them life and life eternal. His hope is so evident. He's going, look, this is what I must do. This is what's going to happen, but my hope is not in this moment. This is a moment of remembrance. My hope is that I get to do this again until we do it again in my Father's kingdom. That is an invitation. And he invites us all into that. So I'd like for you at this time to drink a cup. God, we thank you for this moment of remembrance. God, we thank you for your broken body and shed for us on the cross. God, we thank you for the invitation that's offered to us, God, to live life full, life that's full of meaning, life with joy and peace. God, I pray that we would live from a space of overflow, God, that we would receive you in such a way that we would be filled with your hope, that it would be bubbling out of us, that the fruits of the spirit that you have for us would just be a space in which we live in overflow. We thank you so much. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.